This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango joined in studio by 101 ESPN's Alex Ferrario and the Athletics' Jeremy Rutherford. Guys, of all of the introductions that I've ever done for this show, that was the smoothest and the best. Oh, <laughs> you nailed it. I always give, I always like, uh, it's like I want to give you guys such a great introduction that I like forget your names or what you do somewhere along the way, and so then uh, it doesn't have as much luster as I want it to. Well, there, man, boom. Is now a bad time to tell him that he pronounced my name wrong? Yeah, should I tell him that he said the wrong radio station with me associated to it? Yeah. No. Are you serious? No, you didn't. Okay. Man, because I believe it. Let, let it me tell smooth. you. Because you just said that, it, it brought up one of my, and I haven't been in this business long enough like JR has. I'm sure you've had blunders too, but I'll never forget. Not many. One of, that's true. It's JR, right? It's JR freaking. Come on. One of the times I sat down and did an interview, I was so nervous. You remember like the first couple of times, JR, because I shadowed with you and you helped me kind of start getting those one-on-ones and post games. I'll never forget. He introduced me to David Backus to let me do a one-on-one and Backus was incredible. But so I was so nervous to sit down and do a one-on-one with Vladimir Tarasenko. This was like, I don't know. So was I. So, yeah. Every At time. End, yeah. Every time. Every, like it was, this was six months into me like doing this job and I sat down. I had all of my notes ready to go. Vladdy agreed to sit down and do it with me. I sat down and held the recorder in front of his face and I go, we're sitting here with... <laughs> and I did, a, did no joke, it was at least an eight second pause. And Vladdy, like he was looking around and I think he started to laugh. Right. And then I just, I did the old bleep moment where all the blood rushed out of my face and I'm like, Vladimir Tarasenko, and I'm like, this is awful. All right, I, I got He's you. He's looking for the candid camera. Uh, I got, I got so you. Bad. I got you beat. I got you beat. I got you. I beat. might be able to one up your one up. Okay, go is for this it. Is a Metallica story? No, <laughs> Marilyn Manson. Oh, oh. So did you um, call her Mar- Marilyn Monroe? No, 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 no. So uh, very first time that I had the opportunity to interview Marilyn Manson was I would say probably around 1999, 1998. So he is playing the Fox Theater. And so I get the opportunity to interview him. So I'm waiting, and I wait for like an hour before I finally get get brought up to Marilyn Manson's dressing room, all right? And it's in one of the, like, dressing rooms at the Fox. So there's, like, all of this, like, unbelievable costuming that is just all the way around, all right? I see Marilyn Manson sitting in a chair, and then in the other chair is their guitarist, Twiggy Ramirez, who I am pretty sure is nodding off every 15 seconds. (laughs) Legitimately in the chair (laughs) like this, okay? Name like Twiggy, it would make sense. So, dudes, I am so nervous that there are sweat stains in my T-shirt. Like, it is not pretty. I sit down, have this chat with Manson. It's awesome. Marilyn Manson was so nice and really funny and he kind of made fun of me and it was great. So man, I feel like I am on top of the god dang world. I freaking have the dat machine. I literally leave from the Fox, go back to our station, which was at Colin Tucker to get this interview on the air before Manson went on stage that night. I did not record the interview. (laughs) No. I was doing the mic check, mic check, mic check, and hit pause, and that was it. I got not a god dang friggin' second of this fantastic friggin' interview that, by the way, (laughs) the record label went to a ton of trouble to get to me because it's Marilyn Manson and he doesn't want to do anything. And so it was the one of the most humiliating things that I've ever had to do is to call my, it was at the time my interscope prep, and I was like, 
uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say this to you. And he starts friggin' cracking up. Oh. He was like, he was like, hey man, we'll oh. get you to interview him again. And I had the chance and I got to oh. interview him a couple more times. But God. it was the worst. And then, and then I'll take you up a notch. Um I love, yeah. I love I uh, love it's I don't know if, if it's but so I love Ben Folds, the artist Ben Folds, yeah. singer songwriter. Uh-huh. I named my first kid Benjamin after Ben because I love him that much. So uh, a bunch of years ago, he was doing this tour at the pageant, and it was touring in support of this great record, Way Too Normal, and I had the opportunity to interview him. Well, I thought that we were just going to kind of like sit down in front of the stage after sound check and chat. Well, uh, Ben ended up inviting me and Mary, uh, who I was dating at the time, up to his dressing room for the interview. I sat there with my god dang idol for almost an hour and asked him every single god dang question I had ever even wanted and thought to ask. Like, he covers Steely Dan on the Me, Myself, and Irene soundtrack, and I was able to ask him about that. So, again, we get out of there, Mary was like, oh my god, that was so great. He showed you Billy Joel's phone number in his phone and all of these other things. So, Did you steal Billy Joel's phone we, number from his I phone? I did not. I did <laughs> Come not. Come on. We go down to Blueberry Hill. We're going to wait for the show and grab a drink and, and beer. And I did the same damn thing as the Marilyn Manson interview. Oh. Mike check, Mike check, Donnie with Ben Folds. That Nothing. was it. Oh, my goodness. Nothing. Now, so, this interview was way more so for me yeah. than for the station. So... As far as the station goes, not that big of a deal. But for me, like, there was a couple of times where he was like, oh, that's a really good question. And, man, oh. when, when, when you get a guy that you feel like has written songs about your life to say things like that to you, you're just like, ah! Oh. So, yeah. So what I'm learning is you need me to go with you from now on in interviews, yeah. and I'll hold your phone. I need a tech person. You know, yeah. there's a record button on that. <laughs> right. Right. Stay away right. from the pause and, thing, Donnie. And, and by the way, Donnie, if you think that we're going to let you slide, you dropped in this, oh, yeah, Marilyn Manson yeah. made fun of me, and we're just going to zoom on past that part. He yeah. Just, what did he do? He what just name dropped. Well, first, first of all, every time, and I interviewed Manson Four times, I think. Three times in person and one time on the There's phone. There's a flex. Yeah. And, um, Weird flex. And he, yeah. <laughs> and he is, um, and, and truthfully, and I mean, I think that this can kind of sort of go to, to maybe some of his bad side too, but he is absolutely brilliant at making you feel like you're something while you're talking to him. So he's joking about the ears. He was joking about the eyes. He was joking about um, how nervous I was. Like, he could absolutely tell that I was freaking freaking the hell out. But, like, every time he has this really amazing way of, like, poking a little fun at you, but then also not making it, like, mean or, like, crummy, just enough to kind of give you a little trouble. I mean, he's a guy that, like, (laughs) knows how to use the media for what he needs to. Brilliant. You know? So, but, I mean, it's just, you know, those moments, though, like, you just, man, I I feel like with the Tarasenko thing, Alex, like, you just don't want to you appreciate the opportunity that you're yeah. given so much to be able to do this kind of thing that you don't want to don't freaking mess it egg, up. man. Yeah. Well, I got one more if you don't mind uh, because we're sharing these stories. I'm sh- I've shared this one before on 101, but I don't know if you guys have heard this. This was when I was at KMOX. This was like... I started as a producer there, and then they promoted me to a sports assistant to where I was covering all of the games, all of the media stuff. I would go get all of the audio from sports events, Cardinals, Blues, Rams at the time. Lou Brock is doing a 
something over at Bush Stadium. And Tom Ackerman, he's like, hey, I need you to go get Lou Brock. Just five minutes with him to talk about this. I say, cool. Use it on the broadcast tonight. Awesome. This was like my first opportunity. Second big time interview I'd ever done. So I'm going over there. I got my notebook. I got all the Lou Brock questions. I do the interview. Ask some really good questions. Lou Brock gives me some really good answers. Probably go eight minutes with him. Lou Brock was incredible with his time. We finish. Shook his hand. He starts laughing. He goes, uh, Alex, that was a great interview, uh, but I'm not Bob Gibson. Oh, my goodness. And he, I go, did, he did not. And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you called me Bob Gibson. Oh, the whole time? The whole time. Oh. Eight minutes. Eight minutes. <laughs> and I go, I, I, I said, Lou, I am so sorry. He laughed. He goes, that was the he goes, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. He goes, I was hoping you'd correct it, but he said, I wanted to see how long you went with it. <laughs> Lou was freaking incredible. <laughs> but then I had to go back and explain to Tom and the host of Sports Open Line that night, which was Kevin Wheeler, why you can't use my Lou Brock interview because every question I said, uh, and Mr. Gibson, uh, Bob, uh, Mr. Gibson, I couldn't freaking believe it. Well, you guys are ready. You could splice it, right? Just you'd say, and we're here it, with Brock. Brock. <laughs> and we're here with Lou Brock. I wanted to take my recorder and jump in front of the first vehicle that w- that drove past Bush Stadium when oh, that happened. That's right. Well, it's, it's it's always the worst, man. When you know you feel like like oh, yeah. something was off. Or whatever. Hey, Donnie, All right, JR, your turn. Oh, just one quick one. Just I think Alex has heard it before, but uh, I had a phone interview set up with Colton Preco, and he's going to call. I'm going to interview him. Uh, but my little guy, 10-year-old Eli, was at the house, and I said, hey, and he's really into the blues at the time. This is, I don't know, five years ago. And I said, hey, Colton Preco is going to call in a few minutes. I'm, Daddy's going to do an interview. And he goes, oh, cool. And I said, you want to say hi to him for a minute? And he goes, yeah, yeah. So phone rings. It's Colton. I say hello. I put him on speaker. I say, hey, Colton, before we get rolling here, would you mind saying hi to my little guy here? And he goes, uh, no, that's cool. That's cool. And all of a sudden you hear, hi, Colton. And he goes, what's up, little buddy? How you doing? He goes, um, um, um. Why do you have all those bumps on your face? (laughs) You know, you know, it wasn't like acne. It wasn't like I mean, you play hockey, right? You're gonna have these things, and and I just I looked like the Matrix guy going for the phone, (laughs) and I like I I hit the speaker to put it to take it off a speaker, and I said, "So how was the World Cup? How was it?" (laughs) Just just don't acknowledge that my kid just asked about your bumps. (laughs) Just never acknowledge. Oh, this. Man, the, uh, I told him right that day, that day. I said, "This guy's gonna be like a 15 year guy, a eight time All Star." Have you guys him, discussed it since? <laughs> yeah. No, no. no. I, I should bring it up. You totally need to bring that up, yeah. dude. That th- th- from the mouth of babes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, guys. Um, I want to yell at myself here a little bit. I want to okay. hear. This. Hold on. Let me so sit back. Get comfortable. For, first and foremost, um, you guys are smarter than I am. So it takes me Doubtful. a little bit. Sometimes. No, no. It is. So, uh, it takes me a little bit to process the things in which that we talk about sometimes. In the podcast. And so the other day, you know, we were talking a bit about, you know, with the team being up and down, up and down, up and down, did we want to see them make the push for the playoffs? Or is them missing the playoffs and getting a high draft pick something that we wanted? And then they went on Tuesday. They went on Wednesday. And I'm thinking to myself, 
what friggin' planet and what kind of blues fan am I that I am not wanting them with every fiber of my being to big as, be as big of a pain in the ass to every other team in the NHL going forward, and hopefully that means that they can make the playoffs, even if that means that the draft pick is a little lower, still that would mean some more money for Tom Stillman in the old uh, in the old financials for the Blues. <laughs> Why in the Sam hell would I not be rooting for them to friggin' make the goddamn playoffs? That's, that is... I have never been okay with losing anything in my life. Like, I am competitive about our ratings. I am competitive. I am a competitive person. And so I was, like, doing laundry the other day, and I'm thinking to myself, what the hell did I just say? <laughs> well, well, why, well, I don't want that. Uh-huh. And then when you see, you know, the games on Tuesday and Wednesday, perfect they weren't, but still, man, that's a team that still has some fight left in them, or has a lot of fight left in them. And let's just freaking see how this thing goes. Alex and I were wondering, we were walking down the hallway going, did he just really? Oh no, I'm joking. Jesus, Donnie, like, this is a blues podcast, right? I love the visuals, though. I love the, the idea of Donnie's, like, folding socks, like, putting them in that little yeah. ball. And he's like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Throwing his shorts in the washer. Like, what the hell? Honestly, it was towels. It was a load of wipes. Oh, that's but, the worst. But, 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 socks yeah. are better. But, but you know what I'm saying, though? I think it's reverse psychology, because the last time that I was rooting for a high draft pick was 2019, and look what happened. I don't remember what Stanley happened. Cup. Oh, oh shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we I, I know. Come on, Don. That was only five years ago, man. Guys, I'm awake. I'm plugged in. I got no excuses. It was the two th- it was the, I, I specifically remember we were doing the pre and post games up until like January because that was really before that 11 game win streak took place. And it was the lose, Hugh, or lose for Hughes conversation yeah. where everyone was like, oh, the Blues need to lose. And I was like, well, if they're going to play like this, then you might as well go for a first overall pick because you haven't had one since Eric Johnson. And then they go on the win streak. So maybe you just uh, jinxed them into a Stanley Cup, Donnie. You know what I wonder, though? What I wonder? is what does Doug Armstrong see in these wins? You know what I'm saying? Because I thought last year he said something about, like, even some games that we won, we probably shouldn't have won, and it seems like he had a very, uh, um, I don't know, a much more maybe honest look at at what he's seeing. But what do you guys think that he's thinking right now? Here's the way I always look at this question, right or wrong. Forget about what it means to make the playoffs and the financials and, hey, you might win a couple series. And the way I look at it is this. If you make the playoffs, that means this. It means that the coach is doing something right. It means that a lot of your players are developing. It means that the system that you play is working. It means so much. If, if you don't make the playoffs, and I know I'm stating the obvious here, but it means a bunch of stuff is probably falling apart, right? And – you're going to have to fix that. And are you going to be able to fix it next summer? So let's just hypothetically say that, you know, this team plays, you know, 550 hockey the rest of the way and, and, and makes the playoffs by a couple points. And, you know, they lose a tough six-game series in the first round. To me, that means that probably neighbors kept playing well. It probably means that maybe Shen came around. It, it means a lot of things. Whereas the opposite, then you got a lot of questions going into the offseason. So, you know, to me, it's not so much the $1.5 million they make per home game. It's not the prestige of making the playoffs. It means that going into this offseason, okay, this went well, this went well, this went well. we got to fix this. we got to tinker this. As opposed to you go into the offseason, you don't know all the things that you have to tackle. Uh, I feel like Jim in the office with my yellow legal pad when we talk about this because I have to make the pros. <laughs> the pros and, and cons i got to make list. my cons list and decide which one I like more. And be like, Jesus, Jim, 
game. Just be an adult. <laughs> but, but you know, on one side of it, to Donnie's perspective, where you were coming from, some of the time I do find myself there because I look at the team the way Doug Armstrong looks at the team and say, is this a playoff team? Okay, if not... What are you going for? Because, yeah, you're fighting for one of those playoff spots, but what happens when you miss by three points and you're selecting 13th or overall? It's it's still not a bad spot to be selecting, and it's better than selecting 26th, 27th, 28th, because, you know, those are the players that take a little bit longer. But does that really make that much of a difference for you? So on that hand of it, yeah, you want them to get a really good draft pick because a really good draft pick expedites this retool. But on the other side of my yellow legal pad, that high draft pick might be here for you next year. It might be here for you in two years. It also might be a bust, and it might not even turn out to be the player that you hoped he was, and now you're resetting the cycle. And teams that look to draft in the top 10 consistently are teams in a rebuild. And you hope that you're not in that rebuild, to JR's point. So, like, I, I still think there are issues to be fixed with the Blues, whether they make the playoffs or not. I think making the playoffs benefits this team more than not making the playoffs, very obviously, especially on the head coaching side. You might have done something right. But if I'm Doug Armstrong, I look at this and I say, like, where is my team at right now? And, I mean, if you looked at that Vancouver and Calgary game, again, take both teams' names out of it, take the final score out of it, just look at the underlying stats. I don't know if anybody looked at this and says, well, that team deserved to win. They're mm-hmm. looking at the other side, but you still got points. Right. I think this Western Conference is going to keep you in it all the way till the end of the season, which is why I think the Blues are probably just going to stand pat because – why sell? You don't have much to sell. Why buy? You're not probably going to buy, but you're in this fight because nobody else is running away with it in the Western Conference. Jesus, Jim, that was good. Thanks. <laughs> That's my pros and cons list. My legal pad. I love that reference so much. And I have I a love lot of those offer- I love that those offense references can can live here. Yeah. So it's it's just a really sort of interesting kind of uh, space to be in. And and I think, like, that it's a good one, and I think it's an exciting one, and I think that the prospect of, like, I would think if you would have to play the Blues in the first round, and if the Blues do end up making it, do end up doing what they need to do to make the playoffs, we're going to be a pain in the butt for somebody in a, in a round. Maybe 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 we won't win, but it is not going to be a four-and-out situation. Yeah, but you got a goalie who could steal you a series. And think of the two first-place teams. It's either going to be Vancouver or Colorado. Uh, you beat one of those teams twice. You beat one of those teams once and played one the other game against them very tightly. What was that, the 2-1 loss, the, the 3-2 loss that you had? So, like, Colorado knows what it's like going up against Bennington, and Vancouver just has had recent experience against the Blues. And also, you know, not to throw water on anything, but I think we also have to keep in mind that the Blues are playing well against these teams, right, and beating some really good teams. It's not that these teams are necessarily overlooking the Blues, but it is game 46. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. so the Blues are trying to show some pride. They're trying to show that, hey, we believe in, in Bannister. We believe that we can make the playoffs. We can do all these things, and, and they're coming out on top right now. And you give them all the credit in the world for the way they're playing right now. You know, they could win this game in Seattle tonight and come away with an unbelievable road trip, right? But game 46, when mm-hmm. the puck drops in the playoffs, you know, can this Blues roster give teams a, a really hard time? They, you know, maybe if they catch fire and, like Alex says, Bennington, you know, steals a series, I think it could happen. Uh, but I think we're going to have to see it more consistently, you know, see that urgency. See, Even though they've won these three, there's been long lapses of yeah. not playing good hockey. Right. It's going to be 3 nothing Vancouver, 3 nothing. Yeah whoever, Dallas, in those series, 
if they play like that. And, in the and that's why this season is so weird, like you just mentioned, because this is a roller coaster of a retool. At one minute, you're at the peak where you're like, damn, this is going to be really good for them. They're starting to get confidence. They're playing in front of the net. You're seeing neighbors and sod and shen break through. But then two weeks from now, when you come out of the all-star break and you go through one of those losing skids, then you're like, well, what the hell? You're back to this. I think that's just the nature of being in a retool. And, and we talked with Mike McKenna a couple of days ago, and Mike's seen plenty of those retools in the NHL, and he said, look, retools are, you're always in a retool until you fix the culture. And I, oh I didn't understand what he said, but then he pointed out the Nashville Predators, and he said, look at what Nashville just did. He said Nashville needed a culture change. They got addition by subtraction by trading away Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, and now look at them. They're still not a great team, but they're building something. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to reference the Blues in this sense. I'm just saying in general, when teams are in a retool, you're stuck in a retool until you figure out what the issue is deeply. Vancouver is another perfect example. Look at the coaches they had to go through, the general managers they had to go through, the players they had to go through before they said, yeah, this squad's good to go. And that's why, and this ties into something we talked about last week, I think, is you know who's going to be here when the Blues are at that stage, right? Yeah. You know, in a couple of years, and so does. And I'm not. You know, I'll just bring up some names here. You know, is Brandon Saad worried about what the culture is going to be like in two or three years? No, he's no. going to bring it. You know, yeah. now while he's here. But there are guys who know they're not going to be here in a couple of years, and that's why. Uh, you know that's why it's so important to bring in these young players and have good guys around yeah. them who who are. Who were thinking about the future, which it, is what Nashville just did. Yeah, and they bring in a, an O'Reilly and a uh, Luke, Luke Shen, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that's a tremendous job with the culture there. So yeah, Mike's got a point there, and, and the Blues need to do that. I just think it's kind of hard for the Blues to develop that culture right now when these guys who are, who are leading this locker room probably won't be here for a few years, and the guys who are going to be here are, are still playing junior. <laughs> and playing not, not to steal the thunder here, Donnie, but now I'm just curious. Does that mean? you need to look at a rebuild? Like, I'm not trying to be super negative here, but how do you accomplish getting out of that retool if you're trying to build a culture where you've got guys that are trying to win a Stanley Cup but really aren't focused on it because they know where the team is at? Like, how do you accomplish resetting that culture of what you're trying to accomplish if you're torn in the middle of guys that want to win the Cup, guys that are just playing out their contract, guys that want to get to the NHL? Well, I mean, don't you have to be, excuse me, super careful about who these intermediate players are that you're bringing in and that you're very careful about the swings that you take on people like Jacob Verana? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you or know what I'm Kapanen, saying, like you did with him, right? But Kapanen feels like that has worked out a l- better on oh, all yeah. forms and fashions. The yeah. Verona thing, you know, you got to take a swing. Sometimes it doesn't work out. This one, it, yeah, that's, that it was didn't like an out. M80 yeah. <laughs> in Jefferson County on July 4th. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hit by a couple of those in Jefferson County on July 4th. How'd you know that, Jr.? I mean, I, it's it's tough here, man, because they they are they're very much stuck in the middle. So like. Or not stuck in the middle, but they're in a middle position here. Yeah. And, you know, the hard reality of, of it is that if you want to speed up the rebuild, then you got it. Like you guys were talking about a couple weeks ago, then maybe the Buchnevich flip is something that you want to do or or consider or, or whatever. But, I mean, there's going to have to be moves here that make you real uncomfortable. 
I feel like that's the only way that we're going to get to the next level is by there being a move or two here or there that we're like, gosh, dang it, I guess I understand it, but I don't like it. Well, I mean, let's take some of the team references that we compare the Blues to. So I brought up the Vancouver Canucks. Like, what was the uncomfortable move that they've pulled off recently? They traded their freaking captain, Bo Horvat, to the New York Islanders. Like, that was a move that everyone was like, cool, so they're blowing this one up. And what did Vancouver do? They gave the captaincy to Quinn Hughes, and Quinn Hughes went on a a torrid run. Um, The L.A. Kings, what did they do that had to get uncomfortable? Well, they kind of forced Dustin Brown into retirement. They also moved on from Jonathan Quick, and they kind of rebuilt the status of where their team is at. I bring them up because that's the other team that Doug Armstrong has referenced the Blues to. That's the part that I just, I don't know where the Blues are at. Like, you look at the roster and you say, like, yeah, we feel like we've got some pieces in place, and yeah, you have to wait for the Snuggaroods and the Dvorskys, but at some point, you're going to have to make an uncomfortable move that you look at and you say, man, I don't know if this is going to pay off for me, but it's that bold move that leads you to, okay, well, now we are actually starting to build something. Like, it's that breath of fresh air that you say, okay, team's got an opportunity to kind of reinvent themselves. So those are two phenomenal examples um, and good good examples, both with L.A. and Vancouver. I, I think the one thing is where the Blues are different is – uh, you know, you can push a Brown into retirement. You can move on from a quick, but the Blues can't really do that with mm-hmm. anybody they have right now because of the contract situations. And if I'm not mistaken, was Horvat's contract up? And he was, similar. yeah, because I think they re-signed him in new, with the New York yeah, Islanders. It was a new, it was a new yeah, deal. He got yeah. A long deal yeah, yeah, he got a yeah. long-term deal when when he moved to the Islanders. So the Blues could they make those types of move? Breath of fresh air, kind of alter the look, you mm-hmm. know, speed things up. Whatever words you want to use, yeah, they could, but. I just don't know what they could do unless there's another yep. party that wants to dance with you yeah. because uh, you're going to have to move. And some you got to get a player that also needs a breath of fresh air because yeah. salary in, salary out is the way Doug said it. And, and there's not going to be very many teams that are going to be able to take on any kind of no. salary like whatsoever. Unless the off season with the money going up next year benefits you. Yeah. So that's the thing. So let me ask this. Um, you know, with this topic, if you could make one move, if you were Doug Armstrong, okay, I'm going to give this team what Vancouver and what uh, the Kings did, a breath of fresh air, and, and and let's not use a no trade clause. You know, that yeah. we saw, you know, prevented that from happening. What's your move? I think it's either Booch or Cairo, right? I, I think it's either a Booch Navich or a Cairo to bring in another player that you put into your top line. Now, and I don't remember what they got back for Bo Horvat in the New York Islanders. Like I know they got Anthony Beauvier. Right. I think they got another lower-level player, but I think they also got a draft pick that came with that. Well, and obviously, too, it's not necessarily the players that you get back in the deal, um, but also the like cap space the that space you have you open to, up. Be able to, to, to be able to re-sign a Quinn Hughes and yeah. those guys. Or maybe you get a draft pick in return that you flip in the offseason to bring in another player. Like That's the other thing that you have to think of. Sometimes it isn't money in, money out. Yeah, like you have to trade something to bring in more salary but sometimes if you get a team that's that's got the cap space and desperate for the player you get an asset that you can flip and bring something else to your table and just to be clear on something you're saying like people are going to listen and say trade Buchnevich how's that going to help the blue situation we're not talking about helping right now no we're not not talking about helping next year we're talking about if you are able to look back at the situation three years from now and say okay it was Buchnevich trade that led to these three players and that draft pick that kind of sparked and and I always hate saying those two names because everyone thinks that oh I hate Jordan Cairo or, or why would you get rid of Pablo Buchnevich? No. It's not that. It's just what Jr. said. 
you don't have a lot of wiggle room with the players that you're able to look at and say, like, what's that big move that you could sit there and say, that's what did it for him? Because there's so many no-trade clauses. Now, maybe somebody waves a no-trade clause, and that's the piece that you go, but I look at what brings in the most in the return, and it's one of those two guys that do not have a no-trade clause attached to it. I would call Ottawa, and I would see about Chikorin, and then maybe have the Cairo conversation. I guess if we're talking, I mean. But see, here's the hard part with that. That doesn't fix your offense. Right. Oh, it definitely doesn't. Yeah. But, but here's the reason in which that I say that. And again, poo-poo this idea because it's probably not great. No, I love But this. if you are moving on Cairo, obviously that's going to affect the scoring. But you are going to majorly solidify your back end with Chikrin. You've got a great decor. You've got a great goaltender and a great goaltender combo. And then you're looking down the pipe at the Dvorskis and the Snuggeroods and some guys that can score. That is my rationale yeah, behind not, that. Whether it's yeah, whether yeah. it's right or wrong, I don't know, but that's what I'm thinking. That's not a bad plan. The only thing is you have to do that with uh, some other move with the D in mind because uh, you're not going to have a 6.5 Pareko, 6.5 Falk, 6.5, Krug, Krug a four. $4 million letty, and then yep. Chikrin's going to be what? He's 4.5 now, but when he oh, gets his contract up, yeah. after next season. It'll be, what, 9.10? But to go down the devil's advocate path here, when his new contract kicks in, I think Letty's no, would Letty's be up. would have uh, two years. He's got two years Two years, years. Yeah. and then you'd also have modified no-trade clauses instead of no-trade clauses. Yeah. So, like, there are more, there's more wiggle room there. But you could look at that defense and say, like, okay, we got to pluck one of these guys from the puzzle because a Chikrin, a Pareko, a Letty, a Falk, or a Krug and a Falk, like, you look at that and you say, like, I could make do with that. Donnie said he was bringing, he was talking uh, Ottawa. I thought he was going to bring Tarasenko. I thought he was going to bring Brady Kachuk in. I'm like, hell yeah. Oh, man, I wish. <laughs> hey, listen, that Matthew Kachuk thing, I was I was so convinced that that dude was coming here. Everyone like, was. Like, I, I, I might as well have bought the GD jersey. <laughs> like, like, that's where he worked. Real quick, and I know we were talking about the Blues, but what in the hell's going on with Los Angeles? <laughs> what is going on with uh, them? Who was the other team that, oh, Colorado called out their, their teammates? I yep. think Pittsburgh did that too. There's a lot of brutal honesty taking place in the National Hockey League right now, and I think some of this is because you're seeing like the the aging veterans or the guys that have been around for a long time that don't understand what's taking place with the younger players that are coming in. I mean, Drew Doughty said exactly what Devon Tave said about Colorado, which is exactly what Jordan Bennington and others said when Craig Berube was fired. There are guys around here that are more focused on points than they are winning hockey games, and... I just think that's a trend right now for a lot of teams that you have some younger players that come in or you have some free agents that don't understand the culture of the team with the winning ways. Like, Drew Doughty is not going to take any of that BS. They just did that for five years. Right. He's not going to go through that again. Colorado with Devon Tave saying that, like, it's a weird trend taking place right now in the National yeah, Hockey League. Yeah, we have League. seen it a few t- times. And, you know, my take on this is – uh, Alex, we've been in the locker rooms before, and we know that uh, you know that's the inner sanctum, right? That's yeah. where that's where all the things that need to be said are said. So my take on this is this has been going on for a while with LA, right? Yeah, they've been in a, in a, skit, been in for a, a skit for about a so month. I I believe this stuff is probably being said behind closed doors, and nothing's changing. And so Drew Doughty, he goes, "Oh yeah, oh the media's getting ready. Here, hold my beer. Watch yeah. this. Watch <laughs> this. Actually, hold my tooth. Yeah, we hold my tooth. <laughs> <laughs> because once you and, and and again, I'm not trying to act." Like the media or the once it gets out public is the biggest deal in the world. When it comes down to it, the players don't actually yeah. give a lot of crap about that. But 
when Drew Doughty says that, it becomes a huge story. And now it's not just local. Now it's on NHL Network. Now it's everywhere. Yeah. Well, then, if you're a young L.A. guy and you see Drew Doughty saying that, and there he is up on the NHL Network, okay, well, okay, maybe I'm not so worried about my points. We need to win some games and get back. Yeah. So, so I think that might be where it gets to a point with a Colorado or it gets to a point with L.A. where guys are just like, hell, I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Right. Boy, that- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's something else. Uh, real, Go back to the Blues here real quick. Um, I want to ask the question, why can't every Blues player play like Jake Neighbors? <laughs> uh, and, 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 and I can almost guarantee you that that is going to be the next Blues jersey that I purchased. I was wondering. I friggin' yeah, love yeah. that friggin' kid. I love what he brings to the table. And we're, ju- we're really seeing him grow up in front of our eyes. And, boy, he is going to be a fantastic St. Louis What's Blue the man. comp that comes to mind when you see him play? Well, you know, I've heard some people say Steen because he can play up, he can play down. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I had a mailbag today where somebody asked a question, does he remind you of David Backus? And I said I said this, yes, because uh, Jake Neighbors, whenever I talk to him, he just strikes me as an intelligent guy, intelligent yeah. player, and that's how David Backus always was. I think David Backus, he went to what, not Minnesota, but Minnesota. Duluth, wasn't it? I thought it was Tech or it something. It might have been. Minnesota State. Either way, he was going to be like an engineer, I think. So, yeah. so anyway – I think from an intelligence and knowing the game and understanding the game, that holds true. Backus was a little bit bigger, 6'3", Yeah, he was a freaking wrecking ball. Yeah. <laughs> so he could play center, right, because he was the big yeah. body. He could go against the Taves and those guys. We're neighbors, you know, 6'1", 215. He, he, he's a winger. But I think he, he plays a style like a Backus where there's some skill involved and also he can play physical too. So, yeah, I'm on board with that. Every couple of years I always like to say, hey, if you're getting a jersey, here's yeah. the guy. And I remember like three or four years ago, here's the tweet. Uh, if you're getting a jersey, Robert Thomas, 18, is the one to get. <laughs> right. And now the new guy, it's it's Thomas. Or I'm sorry, it's Neighbors. It's just really, um, you know, it's it's I guess a little bit of that throwback mentality, which is mm-hmm. why I like that guy so forward. much. And yeah. yeah, and then also too, you know, man, we we. You know, there are times where we were like, man, I can't, I don't remember seeing that guy on the ice in the third period, or I don't remember this guy having a game. I don't remember very many games where I, I don't know that I've ever thought that about Jake Nichols. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, whenever he's out there, he is noticeable. Yeah. I, I guess. Uh, the the reason I brought up that comp, you know who he reminds me of? And it, it hit home for me in that Vancouver Canucks game. He had a play where it was. Zadorov, who's like what six foot six, he was on Jake Neighbors' back, and Neighbors took the puck and he put his back to him, and he was able to 
bump Zadorov off while possessing the puck in the corner. Get and I'm thinking, that's Jaden Schwartz. Yeah. Like, that's the first person I thought of. I'm like, that was what Jaden Schwartz did so well. Now, Schwartz might be a little faster than what Jake Neighbors was, but go back and look at that 2017-2018 season for Schwartz. That was the year that I think he got hurt halfway through the year, but he looked like an MVP. I think he had, like, 59 points in 48 games or something like that. That was the year that Shen and Tarasenko took off also. I think Jake Neighbors is like a Jaden Schwartz. I think Jake Neighbors is one of the few unicorns in the National Hockey League that are just pure power forwards. Yeah, he's, he sure is fun to watch. And, Donnie, uh, if I could just add, when I talk about his intelligence, I want to tell this to Blues fans. Next time you're listening to an interview with Jake Neighbors or you're watching him on TV in between periods, watch for this. A lot of times you're going to get a guy, you know, 20, 21, 22. Oh, it was really cool. We really needed this win. And, you know, I think the guys played a full 60. Yeah, cliche. Then listen, listen to Jake Neighbors, and, and he'll he'll give you specific reasons why they won the game. Or if you ask him about a play, like you just said that play, mm-hmm. like he'll explain, you know, I, I knew I had to cut inside. I had to fend him off. I was like, he'll give you specific details. He's thinking the game so intelligent. Um, what is the ceiling for Jake Neighbors, you think? I, I mean, I think the ceiling is, and people call me crazy in this, I think the ceiling is a guy who could score 30 goals for you. Like a 30-goal scorer. I don't want to say consistently, but I would say consistently somewhere between 25 and 30 goals. He's got 15 this year? Yeah, 15. 15. I think he's yeah. on pace for 27 or 28 right now. And he started on the fourth line. Yeah. And here's the part that people forget. The kid only scored, I think the most he scored in juniors was 23 goals. Oh, wow. Like, he was not a goal scorer, but he is a power forward. Like, look at those two goals, or the two goals that he was a part of on... Three goals, I guess, that he was a part of for the Vancouver game. The one he scored, he saw Thomas had the puck, and where did he go? Straight to the crease to take that one-timer. The pass that he made to Booch on the power play, where was he? Right on the crease, slipped it through Tyler Myers' stick. And then the goal that Brandon Saad scored against Calgary, so I guess not the same game, he was standing in front of the net of, on Markstrom's face so that Saad could take that shot. And the Shen goal that got waved off, he's uh, with that malicious yeah. cross-check. The cross-check! <laughs> <laughs> he killed that guy. Yeah. He killed Ian Cole. And what I, what, I, what I loved is there were three other cross-checks of the exact same status that got called, and then that one is like, nah, we're it good. Was, he he hit him with like his duster, <laughs> like a, like he's going dusting in the. Can, can I side note real quick? Because we'll get back to neighbors. I freaking love Drew Bannister. Did you hear his post game yeah. comments? He goes, I don't know. I saw a lot of guys go down pretty easily on Vancouver's side. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Okay, I was watching. Um, and I don't mean to sidebar this, but I have to. I was watching Boston and somebody last night until Mary made me turn off hockey because it wasn't the Blues. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot remember who Boston was playing. But there's a play in the corner, and Trent Frederick got called for a two-minute penalty, and it might have been one of the worst pieces of diving that I have ever seen in the National <laughs> Hockey League. It was so phony, and Jim Montgomery was losing his mind. He said lots of swear words in a small period of time. And also, you know what? Sidebar to my sidebar. Good on friggin' Jim Montgomery, man. Yeah. Good on him for personally having a really, really tough time in his life and doing the things that he needs to make changes and to make yeah, it better. That's great. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's it, I love Jim. Good for him and I you know and I don't know him or anything like that, but just seeing the way that his teams play, it makes me want to root for him. Yeah, and it was uh, Ottawa, by the way. So Mary didn't want to watch the Boston-Ottawa game. Mary didn't want to see that. Senators action? She she came in from the pet store and was like are the this isn't the blues. Do they play later? And I was like, no, honey, I was just watching some hockey. Well, is this what we're going to watch? No. <laughs> That's what you know to turn it off, huh? <laughs> this is like, what we're going to watch? I was like, no. And then, and then the dance, like, listen, 
I, I don't, there's, there's really nothing that like my kids or that Mary watches or whatever that like I, I hate, you know, like they can, it's whatever, but, um, they like cooking shows a lot and they love that. Um, oh God, what is her name? She's really snooty and she lives in the Hamptons. Ina something or the other. I try and to the, avoid cooking shows. Yeah, no. And if people watch them, they know this lady. She's real highbrow and has these big parties, but she's just so full of herself. It drives me crazy. Is that how she talks? Because I couldn't watch it if that's you, how she talks. It's it's very... Mm. Is it very BK-ish? No, 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 no. Does he no. listen to the podcast? <laughs> if he doesn't, that's going to be great. They'll never hear. <laughs> but, but yes, long story short, they they were not super eager to watch, to, to watch this. Yes, that's her. And, and it's so they started oh, yeah, watching that. Uppity. And, and I, I just, I went downstairs and started started watching a Sopranos episode. That's again smart because it was just. I, I, it's a good taste of balance when you go from snooty, you go to Sopranos and get some f bombs in there. So uh, if these, so all right, it, it, totally uh, weird non hockey ish question. Have the guys already made their All Star break plans? Like where they're going out of town by now? Oh, probably yeah, like, right. six months ago. Yeah, they, okay, they're yeah. counting down the days though. Probably you right. Ask Seth Jarvis with the Hurricanes where he was like, oh, "Nope, sorry, you can't vote me, and I'm going to Mexico." <laughs> Because <laughs> he was trying to make us push to get into the All-Star game. And then I think the day after the reporters asked him, he goes, nah, sorry, I already made planes going to Mexico, not going to the All-Star game. Oh, for sure. Wasn't Brady Kachuk was down at, for the St. Louis one? He was in, was he Turks and Caicos? I can't remember. Uh, maybe Turks it wasn't the St. Louis All-Star game. It was the one before that. But he got the phone call while he was on the beach. Didn't Brian Elliott one year, he was on that the beach. That sounds right, too, where yeah. he was on vacation already, and then he got the call, yeah. which but, makes sense. But can you imagine, though, guys, I bet you that that is a much much, much needed mental mental oh, yeah. and physical break for those dudes that do not make it. And I cannot imagine how cute Joey that has is. always talked about it. Like players just don't want to go to those because they need those two weeks off because they put the bye week right after the all-star break. Because you know it used to be just the all-star break. The bye week used to be by itself, right? In the middle of the season. And Joey used to talk all the time that players would just be like, no, I don't want to go. Unless it's somewhere like worthy of the destination. Now this year it's in Toronto where I'm sure a lot of guys would like to go because mm-hmm. Toronto's such a big market. But he's like, unless it's in Vegas or Florida, he's like, guys don't want to go to those because rather than going to Washington, D.C. in the middle of February or yeah. the beginning of February, I'd rather go to Turks and Caicos and enjoy myself on the beach. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, that you got to fly across the country to go to the game. So anybody thinking, why wouldn't these guys want to go to the All-Star game? There's also the dog and pony show interviews, yeah. you know, where you're being dragged through for three or four hours in a day. You're looking outside and it's 80 degrees. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to be enjoying that. Uh, I got to answer yeah. questions about my season and my contract. And yeah, <laughs> I want. I it's it's just it's it, it's kind of fascinating to me. And then also too, uh, in the next couple of years going forward, aren't they going to try to rework the NHL back into the Olympics or some kind of like uh, world hockey 26, yeah, tournament 26, sort yeah. of thing? Yeah. So obviously, this is kind of built into the schedule for those kinds of things going forward too, right? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have what? What's the Olympics? Four weeks three weeks that they're off with that so yeah i mean you're gonna have that to build into it those are always fun because i want the olympics but then they're always backloaded with games to where you've got like 30 games to play in like 20 days and you're thinking how the hell are we gonna make this a lot of pre and post games it's a lot of pre and post games (laughs) and you know for some odd reason the nhl always says let's throw all the western canada road trip games together you know those back-to-backs three and four days are always fun god (laughs) 
Bless I, it. I honestly don't know how you guys do it all the time. If Utah ever comes into the league, can we make a bid to like put the Blues in the Eastern Conference? <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that's... I would love some six o'clock starts, man. And <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know that I want them in the East, but you said it the other day. I don't remember at what point you or where I heard you say it, but I want Detroit back in. in oh yeah, I want Detroit back in the West, this, or or at least in yeah. the in the same ability to play yeah. the Blues more than twice somebody asked me. They said, "Would you rather have Chicago be the rival?" In the central with the Blues or Detroit? And I said I would rather have Detroit. Detroit, huh? Yeah. What? I know it's weird to say that, but I think there are so, and maybe it's just because I'm like a '90s kid. I don't remember a lot of the previous, but like there were so many good memories between the Detroit Red Wings and the Blues. I just remember them kicking our ass repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, that, but that was only a little bit. They used to kick their ass in the '90s. I guess maybe they. I, I guess I'm just. That was before Brett Hall went no, to the Detroit Red actually, Wings. Actually, Donnie, he's backing up what uh, Mike Babcock said when he was coach of Detroit. I remember being in a scrum with some other reporters, and uh, they asked about the Blues Red Wings rivalry, and B- Babcock's answer was, "Rivalry? Don't you have to beat the other team yeah, for it to well, be a rivalry?" Tell Babcock <laughs> to put. Tell Babcock to take his players and phones and give them back to him. See, that's when I know that I still have work to do on my anger. <laughs> Because that man said that how many years ago? And I still would friggin' spit on his shoe. Like, like, shut See? up. That's like, why you want like, Detroit back, because you hate him. No, I mean, an abs- I mean, just absolute. God, ugh, that friggin' guy, man. That freaking guy. But I, that's what I remember. I remember them handing their asses, handing us our asses more often. I than also not. remember those games in Sweden played against Detroit where, what, you beat them in both those games and nobody expected that to happen? That was a fun time, too. God, the things that you guys remember. Good yeah. Lord. I got a weird memory. I wasn't like, going to bring it up. I just knew it would rattle. Yeah, up, just but. to get them going. It's <laughs> not something to do on a Friday, JR. Yeah. Come on. At least you guys are nice about it because there would be times that I would come in here with Jeff and Jamie and I could tell that those two sons of bitches were working on something that had to do with me, and 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 and, and but you know what, man? In hindsight, I I I, I love it so much, and 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 please understand that I say I call Jeff a sob in the most oh, loving sure, of yeah, loving yeah. of ways. I, say, I saw Donnie call him that to his face plenty of oh, times. Dude. So yeah, one hundred percent. I had the most honest relationship with that yeah, guy. Yeah, I was gonna like, say it just happened. He would come into the studio and be like, "Hey, am I annoying you? Yeah, man. I I can't I can't do I can't <laughs> do your face today. I can't. But that's but man, you gotta. That's friendship. Those are good friendships, yeah. man. Those are good friendships a lot. Every, hey, and again, every time I see anything that has to do with Clem Costin, I think about Donnie. Yeah, <laughs> big fight. Hey, Donnie, Clem I have Shady. one question before we take off. Here yes, a little sir. Bit. Yes, sir. Did you hit the record button? Oh, he hit pause. Dudes, I would have felt so bad. <laughs> Guys, listen, if I... I, Would you have I felt more been... bad because we went long or because you had a great intro? No, no, no. I would feel bad because I'd be wasting 45 minutes of you dude's time. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I would oh, be, no. man. We got an 8 o'clock pregame tonight, so we need to make... The, we're going to do this one again. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, I didn't even think about that because yeah. it's a 9 o'clock start tonight against Seattle. Yeah, so if you're listening to us right now, I'm going to be coming your way in just a little bit with pregame. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm going to that afternooner on uh, Sunday yeah, the against Kings the one. Kings, and then Tuesday night is Riz Show night oh. uh, against the Jackets, and I think there are still a couple of tickets left, so let me get in that plug as well, 1057thepoint.com. I'll be in Disney World on Tuesday. Oh, really? You're yeah. missing a game? I'm missing a game on Tuesday. Wow. Grant Francis is taking over pre and post oh, games. Oh, dude, that's great. Yeah. Good for Grant, man. Grant's getting on the air, which is going to be fun or brutal, depending on uh, what Curbs and Joey treat him as, so <laughs> we'll have to wait to find out. Dude, I've never been to Disney World really? before. Yeah, I've, so prior to us having girls, I've been twice. 
It was like when I was like nine and then when Katie and I were dating. But since we've had our girls, because they're free, that's the only reason we go. So we took them last year. Uh, They were probably a little too young, but our oldest got a kick out of it. But now they're like in the princess dress phases. They're singing all the songs. They love all the characters. So, yeah, we're going for a couple of days just to get a little Disney taste for them. Just just for my own brain, one adult ticket for one day. What what does that run you? 3,000. Yeah. So the entire trip is costing us around like twelve hundred dollars because the two girls are free. Okay, but like we're not that doesn't include food. That includes our hotel and our park tickets. So two people for hotel and park tickets twelve hundred dollars. So that's another twelve hundred with the food. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, boy, I got to get another job. Well, here's the thing. I, I or told don't go to yeah, Disney. Or or don't don't go to, I guess that's an I option. Told Katie, so when the girls aren't free anymore, we don't go to Disney World. So enjoy this while it's here. Sorry, you're seven. We can't go yeah, anymore. No more. I'll walk, we'll turn. Have you seen the meme on uh, social media where the dad turns on a ride at Disney World and he puts his kid in a hamper basket <laughs> and just makes it look like he's going up? I told Katie, I said, this is what our girls will experience from the ages of four until they're 18. Well, see, and now my kids want to go to Universal Studios more than they want to go to Disney. And that, I think, is probably cheaper than Disney World because Disney's you know, they pump those tickets up. I'm sure it's not cheap, but it's cheaper. I want to have a beer at Moe's so bad because they got a Simpsons land, yeah. and mm-hmm. I am a Simpsons freaking absolute fanatic, and I would love, and I mean love to have a Duff at friggin' Moe's. <laughs> that would be absolutely friggin' incredible. But I just keep thinking that, you know, hey, one of these days we're going to be able to do this, but I think my kids are going to be graduated and out of high school before. That's perfect. Then that, they pay for it. Dude, also, too, real quick. Or uh, they don't go. Or they and don't I'm, go also. And I'm, to- and I'm totally all over the place the last 15 minutes of this podcast, but whatever. <laughs> but my youngest son yesterday signed up for his high school classes for next year. Oh. It has been an incredible week of going Holy Toledo, time goes super freaking fast, man. Except for retools. (laughs) Honestly, ended on that one. Ladies and gentlemen, Last Minute Blues podcast, Jeremy Rutherford with the dagger at the end, Alex Ferrario, and for our friends, uh, Jamie Rivers and Jeff Burton, it's the Last Minute Blues podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.